Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear in the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. I've got Ryerstein. He is back from the road. He's been on the road for two weeks with old Kip. Yeah, two Kip weeks. Two-week run. Doing a Missouri and Texas slaughter fest, it looked like. Y'all it was just more killing like it. a Texas slaughter fest. We were in Missouri for like a morning. Oh, okay. But y'all went to – how many places did you go in Texas? We went to three separate places in Texas and one place for a morning in Missouri. So it was like four places, but also – I flew into Virginia, so that was like five places for me. Sounds like a logistical nightmare is what that sounds like. A little bit. Yeah, it was. It was. And we had, when we started the trip, we had a schedule of how many days we're going to be at each place. And we had some people that were meeting along the way. And all of that was timed out perfectly. And then <laughs> this everything I know where changed. this is going. Every single day. Every single of, day. All of the itineraries changed. So and then it's figure it out. Yep. Yeah, get where you can get, see who's there, who's ready to do something, who's ready to hunt, and usually it's just you. Yeah. No one else is ready. Yeah, Kip and I are always ready. To oh hunt. yeah. Well, that's and see that's my goal when I'm on a trip, whether my client's ready or not. No one ever has to wait on me. Like I, you don't ever have to wait on me. I might be slightly underprepared, but you won't have to wait on me because I don't like people waiting on me. That goes all the way back to my communications thing. Like. I don't want somebody waiting on me to call them back. I don't want somebody waiting on me to text them back. I don't want somebody waiting on me to go out the door to go hunt. I will be ready, and if I'm not, something's wrong. So, I'm sure. I have a feeling I'm not done. I have not done as much with Kip as you have now, but I have a feeling that Kip is a lot, you know, very much the same way. Especially when it comes to killing stuff, he's pretty serious about the killing part of it. He has a hard time waiting to kill things. Yeah, Chuck's the same Which way. Is good. Him and Which Chuck. Good. Him and Chuck need to get together. You said that. Him I think and, so. Him and Chuck would be brothers from another mother yeah they just want to put things on the ground well it's one of those things where i don't know if you invite both of those people at the same time to be at one place because that's not going to be good on a population of animals well that's exactly why you got to invite them to a place like in texas where they got texas 70 just, doe tags they got to take care of texas is just is I, I, did i tell you this i might have told someone this i don't i think i was telling chuck this people from texas are proud to be american but they're more proud to be from Texas. Like if they had to pick between America and Texas, they'd still pick Texas. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they are, they love them some Texas. Now I love Texas too. Um, I love me some good salsa. You, the only place you can get my favorite salsa, Julio's is in Texas. So every time I go to Texas and drive, which isn't, you know, it's pretty rare. I always stop and get Julio's, but you can get it off Amazon. It's extremely expensive to buy off Amazon, but, uh, Texas is, their slogan's the best. It's like a whole other country because it really is. But you can kill so much stuff in Texas. I think that's why it's so sought after because you can, you can create so much cool content there. Mm-hmm. You can shoot so much different stuff. You can shoot big stuff, little stuff, numbers, predators, hogs, deer, exotics, lions. I mean, it doesn't matter. Isn't there more tigers 
in captivity in Texas than there is in That's, the wild in the world. I've heard that too. I don't know. I'm, I would not doubt it. I've heard it on Joe Rogan and young Jamie looked well, it up. So it's Joe, gotta be real. If Joe Rogan said it, then it's, it's biblical. So pretty much. Um, so on this podcast, this is episode number 75. If I haven't already said that podcast that I've been wanting to do and I've been wanting to do it, but I wanted Ryer to get back because him and I have uh, a lot of this is similar for both of us, but some of it is different. And I like to have banner back and forth always um, is a gear podcast. And I'm not talking about camera gear this time. We're talking about actual gear that we use. That's not camera related. Um, because when you travel, when you hunt, when you, I have a job to do. You're going to require more than just your camera. So we wanted to talk about uh, clothing. We wanted to talk about footwear. We wanted to talk about tools. We wanted to talk about gadgets. We wanted to talk about our laptops and computers. We wanted to talk about all of the other stuff that it requ- that it takes to do your job effectively. And uh, because... I don't get this these questions near as much, but I feel like if you don't have a good support system for what you're doing, then it makes everything else harder. So when you have all the other stuff lined out and you have all the things, the tools that you need to do your job effectively and the tools to do your job when things go south because they're going to happen, um, it makes your job that much better, that much easier. So first thing I wanted to talk about, and Ryer and I do differ on this first thing, is footwear. Um, kind of that's, start from the bottom and go to the top. your feet are soft and well, you're sensitive. Well, dude, I'm not even going to dispute that. I have sissy <laughs> feet. I really do. And so um, let's talk about boots specifically. Um, I wear boots uh, when I'm on shoots 95% of the time. And the one time this year I didn't wear boots is when I got sniped and rolled my ankle really bad um, with Chuck in Texas. And now not in Texas. I was in Kentucky. Um, and it was on rocks and I was wearing tennis shoes and I got snipered real bad, rolled my ankle. It was not a good day. Good thing. Had literally had to end the trip early and come back and had to go back. Um, so I wear Solomon GTX 4D boots. It's the same pair of boots I've had. This is my third set of them. I had to buy a new set this year because, um, they, they're, they're, I tell people they're a two season boot. And the reason I say that is after the, you're going to wear them all fall that first year, and if you wear them as much as I wear them, which is 90% of the time, um, you're going to wear the waterproofing out of them. And uh, once you wear the waterproofing out of them, you're going to start getting wet feet, and that will last you in about another season, and then you'll get kind of ticked off, and you'll go buy your another set of boots. They're not cheap. They're 180 to 220 depending on where you buy them from. Uh, I had to get a new pair after my moose hunt this year because – I sat them too close to the fire to get them dried out and burn a whole hole, a huge hole in the toe of them um, that you could literally stick like three fingers through. So those weren't going to cut it anymore. Literally trashed those um, in British Columbia and uh, bought some new ones before my next trip, which was Alberta. They are non-insulated. I don't, I don't wear any, I don't have any boots that are insulated because my feet generally don't get that cold. Um, I just kind of wear you know, more socks or better socks. Um, they may, they do make, um, UGG inserts that are like wool lined. Dudley had it on his, uh, uh, one of his pages or one of his social media posts, like these UGG, um, insole inserts that are made for people with cold feet. That might be something I try later on, but I just don't get cold feet. Cause usually when we're hunting, we're on the move, you know, unless you're deer hunting, 
And then when we're deer hunting, luckily, you know, I don't we don't do a ton of late season stuff just because we don't want to. And we're so busy doing other stuff this time of year. Um, so those are the boots that I wear 95% of the time. Solomon GTX 4D. And then I bought a pair of Krispies because Dudley told me how much he liked his. And I hated them. I hated them. And I gave them to you. And you. I like them. Like them. Mm-hmm. So which ones are those? Those are the, the Thor GTXs. Thor GTXs. And what do you like about those? I like that they're stiff. Um, I personally like a stiffer boot, and maybe it's just because of, I, you know, I spend a lot of time riding my bike, and bike shoes are super stiff on the soles, and so maybe my feet are just kind of used to that, and that's what feels comfortable and makes me feel like I can perform a little better. I don't like too much cush See, and are, roll around. The Solomons are cushy. They yeah, are, they're real. I tried them on at REI yeah. because you told me to. And, and you they, didn't like them? Yeah, I felt like I was going to roll an ankle in them well, or see, something like that. Well, see, if you've got sissy feet like me, then you're definitely more of a Solomon person. And I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking to. I think I was talking to Barclow um, about boots and stuff because he's a product guy. And he was talking about some research they had done on boots or something and or something research he had done. I can't remember what it was. But he said that the vast majority of people prefer the Solomon footbed. That's kind of like the universal, like that's how, because I think most people have sissy feet like me. Um, they're not used to wearing a stiff, you know, sold or... And when you say stiff, explain what you mean by stiff. Like if you were to take the boot and grab one toe and grab the heel and try to like bend them towards each other, then your Solomons are going to bend more yeah. than than those crispies. Well, see, and basically what it is is your the platform that you're walking on that your the sole of your foot s- sits on is either going to be softer and more malleable, and or it's going to be a lot harder, kind of like. A wood platform. Well, see, or something. that's what it. T- it felt like I was standing on a two by four when yeah. I was wearing those boots. Yeah, that's what you said. And I, I, t- I took them. I bought them, and I took them on a hike around the reservoir here. It's like a four mile loop, and dude, I almost had to stop. That's how bad my feet were killing me. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's just they're not broken yet. And I did it one or two more times, and it never got better for me. And I was literally just gonna sell them, um, because I mean they're not cheap boots. I mean they're two thirty. This website, the first one I Googled said 290. Oh, Jesus. No, I don't know what they're at at Crispy. I mean, these guys might have a little extra on top to make. Well, they're two something, 250, 230, something like that. And, you know, I wasn't going to eat $200, and then you needed some boots. So I was like, well, try these. And you took them and loved them. Now, I think they've stopped making the Thor now. I think they got replaced by the Colorado. And um, Andy had the Colorado's. Um, and he really likes those. And he said they're a little bit softer. So maybe if I, I don't know, I don't want to cheat on my Solomons again. Because the last time I did, I got stuck with the Thors and hated them. So, See, if I could get a stiffer boot, I would. I tried on one pair of boots Dude, from. you need some Kinetrex then. You know those tan boots that I tried on that ripped my freaking Achilles off? No. Those were stiffer than, I, I can't remember what they're from. I got them for like a week and walked around the same lake that you walked around. And yeah. the only problem with those is where the heel comes up a mm-hmm. little bit to keep your foot in the bed was like a little too low and it was rubbing and tearing off the back of my yeah. heel. But those were stiffer. I like those even more. Well, dude, there, there's some Kinetrex that are really stiff. I used to have some that are heavy. The Mountain that, Extremes? I think that's the ones I had. That's, um, that's what Mark ran for the yeah. whole time I was working, and he loved them. Those are do, and they're, they're, I know guys who love They're the expensive. 400? Yeah, they're expensive, but... Um, they, those, and, but I think that's a personal preference thing too. I didn't like mine. They were heavy and they were super stiff. 
I think Scarpa makes some really stiff ones too. But to to, to kind of lay it out more layman's terms, the Solomon are definitely more of a hiking boot, like a recreational hiking boot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're I don't think they're going to have the life, and they're not going to last as long as those Crispies will. And they're also not they're not going to be as stiff. So they're gonna you're gonna have a little more foot fatigue with them, which I've never had that problem. Which I've not done any real like crazy mountain hunts either. I mean, done, done, done elk hunts, and they're perfect for elk hunts in my opinion. But um, they're kind of a mid ankle boot, which the Thors are too. To me, the, my Solomons have more ankle support than the Thors did, which I need ankle support because both my ankles are janked up. Yeah, I I sometimes I'll hit something and my ankle kind of does that thing. Yeah. You know, it kind of gives out a little bit, so a little bit But more. you've got cankles, so your ankles don't really – I'm just kidding. I've got such bad ankles. My Both my ankles are jacked up, so I have to have some ankle support. So that's the that's the footwear we run. I run the Solomon GTX 4Ds. Ryer runs the uh, Crispy Thors. I think, I think the thing to be noted for people with footwear is everybody's foot's going to be different, you know, and what works for us may not work for you. What works for you may not work for somebody else, and I think it's important. And I almost got, I almost got in trouble with this one. Get if you're going to get a new pair of boots, start looking for it in like the summer, when you can put them on and put miles on them, like a few hours of, of walking in them. Because <clears throat> if you wait till a week before your elk hunt and you're trying to look around and try to find something at REI and or Bass Pro Shops or wherever. Don't uh, go to Bass Pro. Yeah, REI, REI is a place to go for yeah lots of that stuff. But anyways, if you go there and they don't have the boot in stock or one that fits your feet, but you need boots, you're going to end up in a boot that is going to hurt you for an elk hunt. Well, this is something, you too. Know, is so have time to test it out buying, beforehand. Paying extra money for footwear is money well spent. Mm-hmm. You buy cheap boots, you're going to be miserable. One of two things is going to happen. They're going to be super uncomfortable. They're going to rub your feet or they're going to last you two months if you hunt hard. If you hunt and you take this seriously, if you're filming seriously, if you're traveling, you know, moving, grooving seriously, you need to spend money on good footwear. I mean, if your feet are jacked up, there is nothing that you can do to fix it. And having footwear that sucks, man, that is miserable. I'll, I need to get Brandon Pendergrass on here. Uh, he used to work with me at Sub 7, and he borrowed a pair of, mountain boots that didn't fit him for a a mountain goat hunt. And he tells a story about complete and utter misery of blisters, feet, you know, foot fatigue, trying to walk on shale rock and just hating life. Um, And that's what you're going to do if you don't get some boots that are fitted to you. So it's worth the extra money, worth the extra time. Um, Absolutely. So to go along with boots, Socks. I wear one pair of socks. I've worn them forever, and it's probably going to surprise you. They're literally the Under Armour black standard sock. They're like, I think they're pretty much 100% polyester, I think. Um, There's nothing special about them. They work well on my feet. They last a long time. They keep my feet warm enough and cool enough. Um, That's what I wear 99.9% of the time. I know some guys that run those darn tough socks, never worn them. I know some guys that wore the old Cabela's wool socks. Crispy makes their own socks. Kenetrex makes their own socks. Never worn any of them. Couldn't tell you anything about it. I wear the underarm socks. They're basic and easy, but I've got a friggin' drawer full of them. And that's all I wear. What do you wear on socks? 
Uh, I have a couple different kinds. I think. Of course you do. You're a biker. Of course you've got some weird well, socks. No, those are those are different. My cycling socks are different. They have cool designs on them. Um, the standard thing across all my socks is they're all merino wool, and that's kind of what I was looking for. Because why, why merino wool? Why do you like merino wool? Well, because it's supposed to shed moisture uh, better. So if your so feet supposed get, to does it does it for you though? It's hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah, I mean in boots it's hard to say. Yeah, but it's supposed to wick moisture better. Uh, they also what I have found is like if you wear those multiple days in a row, they're not going to get to stinking as quickly yeah, as like I, I a regular that. sock. Well, and I've I heard think the it's merino, because of that. The merino bases are kind of the same. The, it's same, the same idea. Concept. Yeah. Well, to kind of go back to to kind of go back to boots, um, something I forgot to say because. As you can tell, if you listen to the podcast often, I'm very passionate about passionate about certain things, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, weather, communication, and then probably my third thing I'm most passionate about is my hatred for rubber boots. So <laughs> the reason I didn't say anything about rubber boots is because I detest them with a purple passion. I hate them with every fiber that is in my body because they're heavy, they're clunky, my feet sweat in them, they're uncomfortable, they slosh around on my foot. And if you know of a rubber boot that does not do that, let me know because I'll buy some. Because I will, I will, I would rather be wet to my thighs than wear rubber boots. Hate them with a passion. Would you say you loathe them entirely? Loathe them entirely. So that is why I wear my Solomon's ninety-five percent of the time. Because and the only time I wear rubber boots is when it is just disgusting and there's mud holes and water that I know I'm going to have to walk through and it's going to go over my boots, then I'll wear rubbers. Other than that, never, never will I wear them. So that's my two cents on that. Um, so you're a merino so- wool sock guy. Yeah. Um, and I got a couple. I particular got, brand? I got some generic ones from REI. I just picked up a few random mid-weight Carhartt ones from tractor supply when i was there a few weeks ago i mean they all work kind of the same i mean you can spend the thing with the merinos is they're a little expensive so i don't have like 50 pairs of them but it's still it goes back to that whole thing though about your feet yeah you gotta take care of your feet man spend don't buy cheapo walmart freaking socks i just buy i buy a couple pairs every season before elk season i buy a couple new pairs and i just keep i try not to i think i'm wearing some today under my regular boots, but I try not to wear them except for under my hunting boots just because yeah. socks wear out. But. Well, always, and this is another good little tip, is always bring, um, uh, what's it called, moleskin. Mm-hmm. Always have a little roll of moleskin. Or, I got that stashed everywhere. Yeah, and if you don't know what moleskin is, it's essentially like a velvety, really nice-feeling material with a um, like a tape back on the back of it so if like you start getting blisters or you have something that's rubbing really anywhere you can put you know tape moleskin to it mm-hmm. and it will make life a lot better um and it's dirt cheap you can get it virtually everywhere and you can buy you a whole roll of it and cut it up into strips and stash it in different pockets and that's a nice little tip to um and anything that's rubbing even if it's gear rubbing you know even if it's not rubbing you it's something that's like rubbing on your camera or rubbing on your I don't know, on your pack or on your something, you can put moleskin on it, and that makes it way easier. So next thing is clothing. And uh, I think you would be a good – I'll go in second on this one. I'm going to let you go first. So 
you, before you got here, you had never worn, and we're not sponsored or endorsed by any of these people. This is just all of our opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, you had never worn any Sitka no. or really any <clears throat> nice camo to speak of. Mm-mm. So I got you, you got you got your first piece, you bought your first piece, and then I got you some, I don't even remember what pieces I got you, but before you did that cold weather hunt, mm-hmm. and you wore some on our elk hunt. Mm-hmm. So walk me through your experience with good gear. I like it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's all, folks. All right, we're going to go somewhere else. Um, well, compare it to, compare it to. I don't even remember what the old stuff that you had was, like Game Winner stuff or like Academy brand. What was it? Walmart I mean, Special. Walmart Special. Whatever I could find anywhere, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, you went from you went from the valley to the top of the mountain then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I like the Sitka. I think that the... Best part of the Sitka is probably the pants. Oh, God. Um, no doubt. I can't – I've never been able to find pants that, one, don't chafe in between my legs, uh, that stay put when you're got moving them, around. Got them thunder thighs. Hey, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, and that are breathable and just all-around comfortable. Form-fitting. They're, but they're not – when I say form-fitting, people think like – like I don't know, like skinny jeans, but they're not like no. that. They they're, they're they're cut in places and contoured in places they need to be. They're not like wearing. They fit your legs like yeah. how legs are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I I like them a lot. I mean, I I ran them for the elk hunt, and it was great because they they move in the places you need them to move, and they don't move in the places yeah. you like. Usually, take a big step up onto something, and your the bottom of your pants wants to ride up over your boot, or, or you bend over and it wants to come off your butt. Yeah, or you know you walk around all day and it kind of like does that wedgy thing and then you start chafing and stuff yep. so sick of pants don't do that and those what is it the ascents ascents those are my favorite those ones are super lightweight oh god they're um, like wearing pajama pants i tell people yeah, that all you the can't time. hardly you don't know there's anything there mm-hmm. uh, all their pockets are perfectly placed yep and i just store all sorts of stuff in those uh, i wear the suspenders with them instead of the belt yeah and that's because when you have a pack on trying to like wrestle with your belt buckle and the pack buckle all in the same space competing for cinch room, I guess gets yeah. kind of annoying. So I just wear the suspenders and I actually like those yeah. more. Well, and that they, and they actually offer suspenders. They, mm-hmm. you know, they offer the spots to hook them in and all yeah, that stuff. An independent little loop inside the well, belt. And loop. then you get, so the ascent pants are by far my favorite. Um, and I don't wear Sitka for the the pattern. You know, the patterns, I don't think the pattern matters. Camouflage pattern doesn't matter. I love the guys at Mossy Oak. They're some of my favorite people in the world. But at the end of the day, the deer, the turkeys, and everything, they don't really know the difference. As long as you're sitting still, as long as you're hunting, as long as you've got the wind right, I don't think it matters what you're wearing, in my personal opinion. Um, there's, I'm sure there's some certain scenarios where one camo would be better than the other. But for the most part, it doesn't matter. Um, I, we don't. I don't personally wear Sitka because of the camo pattern. Uh, like it or lump it, I wear it because it is comfortable. Mm-hmm. It lasts. So this is what I get all the time. I get people that are like, "Man, you're going to pay that much for, pay that much for you know hunting clothes." It's like, yes. Even and and luckily we don't have to pay full price for it. But even if I had to pay full price, knowing what I know now. I can buy one Sitka system and say it costs me, let's say it costs me $600. 
Well, that $600 is going to last me no less than five years, and that's me hunting 100, 172 days this year. That's more than most guys will hunt in their lifetime. So if I can hunt five years at 172 days a year, let's just say for a round number, 150 days a year, I'm in the field 150 days a year and I spent $500, that money got spread a long way. Mm -hmm. Anything else, I'm replacing every season or two. Um, that I'm going to spend as much money on the other crap as I am on the Sitka, and it's going to last me five years. Will I will I use it for five years? Probably not, because I like new stuff, and they're going to come out with something cool. But at the same time, if I had to, if I had to spend the money, and I knew I could only spend the money on one thing that's going to last me, it's going to last. Like I've had my Sitka scent pants, my green ones. Oh man, I've had them for at least five years. Dude, I've worn those things hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And the only thing they've got, they got a rip on the knee where I um, think it was when we were in uh, Idaho trying to climb up that jungle face. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a couple pricks like in the in the shins climbing through barbed wire fences. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they're brand new. You know, it, it, you never know. Um, and those pants, I think they're like 180 bucks. I'd like to buy them. Worth every dime. I will I will own a pair of those pants as long as they make them. And now that I say that, they'll probably discontinue them because that everybody does that when they have something cool. Well, then you get into that's the absolute best stuff for the, the warm weather. Um, I wear my scent pants seventy percent of the time until it starts getting below forty degrees, and then I'll switch to. And you can put uh, you can put a base layer on it. Yeah, oh for easy. sure. And then once it starts getting colder, I'll switch to usually my Timberline pants. They have knee pads, which so do the, so do the ascents. Whether you like the sound of using knee pads or not, they're worth it. They make life so much easier when you're crawling around, moving. Um, they're right there in your pants. And, and uh, I've had my Timberline pants, and I literally am going to have to get a new pair because I burnt them in Idaho. I've got burn marks all over mine for when we were laying too close to the fire when that grizzly bear was coming at us, which have we ever told that story? I'm not thinking we're going to do it on the podcast, but if not, somebody write in and let us know if we wrote the uh, if we told the grizzly bear story in Idaho yet. I don't know. If not, we'll <coughs> tell it later. Um, anyway, those pants would still be brand new if I hadn't burned them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's my fault. So those are my second favorite pants. They're a lot heavier, a lot warmer. Um, they're not a pant that you want to wear when it's really cold or not like mildly cold, unless you're sitting still, if you're moving, you want to wait until it's cold to wear those because they will, they'll burn your butt out. Um, and then I've got the, uh, Traverse cold weather hoodie, love it. I've got some of their puffy jackets, love them. Um, you wore some of the stuff to Colorado on a cold, mm-hmm. on a cold hunt. How did that stuff work for you? It worked good. I wore, I have the lightweight hoodie, the midweight hoodie, the Traverse uh, cold have, weather the, hoodie, yeah, cold and weather then hoodie. the the puffy. Yeah, there's like two different ones, but I got the bigger one. You I got think. the big dog. Yeah, I can't. I, can't um, I thought we got the other one, but I ordered the wrong one because I'm an idiot. Yeah, so in Colorado, they work great. Basically, I ran base layer, um, the lightweight hoodie over that. Basically, it's kind of like a shirt. And then the regular hoodie and then the traverse hoodie 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. I think we're sitting somewhere it was windy, and I had to break out the puffy once or twice. Uh, But I was warm the whole time there. What was the temps? I mean, I don't even know. I have no idea. Below 30? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. We'd wake up in the morning. It'd probably be maybe fifteen or twenty. Yeah. Um, With the wind blowing, that's night. freaking cold. Yeah. But 
Oh, it's a dry cold. I love when people say that. If it's a dry heat, what's a dry cold? It's still friggin' cold. But there is a difference. Oh, yeah, there's a difference. But like at the end of the day, it's still friggin' cold. Yeah, yeah. It's it, but it's a different kind of cold. It do, it's not like a bone chilling cold. A thirty thirty degrees in Colorado where it's dry is different from thirty degrees in Pennsylvania where it's wet. Mm-hmm. Like thirty degrees in Pennsylvania is freaking cold. <laughs> thirty degrees in Colorado is pretty cold, but you. It's not gonna kill you. Did you do Pennsylvania twenty degree cold? When was that? No, my dad's from Pennsylvania, oh. so I've been there a couple times. I got you. Okay, I was like, when did you go to Pennsylvania? That's the only. That's the only other humid place I've ever been, except for here. Really? Oh, yeah. have you been out? Have you been out here the twenty? It's been like it was twenty three this morning, I think. Yeah, I almost. I looked at the weather last night and it said twenty eight, and I almost rode my bike. <laughs> I almost <laughs> rode my bike. Almost rode then, my bike. Then I was like, I'm gonna get some sleep. And then I woke up this morning. And there was frost on the ground. I thought, oh, well, maybe I, that's a good idea. I didn't go, but I might. I might do it. I just want to see. I'm trying to figure out what's the see, coldest I can ride in see, with the current gear that I have, and then I need to figure out what now I can get also so that I can ride in colder weather because I hate riding inside. So back in my when I used to be an athlete, you know, many moons ago, used to be don't make no honey. Used to me, yeah, exactly. Um, I, uh, when we has to, used to have to run for baseball all the time, mm-hmm. like we'd have to do like, you know, three to five mile runs as a pitcher. Um, and that's what was my favorite time to run is when it was cold, man. Cause dude, you get running and it's perfect. It's like mm-hmm. somebody's you know, got a constant air conditioner on you while you're running. When you get hot, that first, you know, half mile sucks until you get, you know, good and warmed up. But that used to be my favorite time to run. Like dude, colder, the better. And the, all the other guys used to hate it, but dude, I, and it's, it's just that half first half mile. But you get through that, oh man, it was great. And now I don't know because I haven't ran in so long. <laughs> See, cycling's not worth or not like that because you it's not as intensive. Well, you're going so much and, faster, and I you're think, going twenty miles an hour, yeah. and so like your toes and your knees and your face, they just get so cold. Huh? I've so, never thought about that. So yeah. you, you, like you get like self-induced wind chill. So yeah. if it's twenty-eight, now you also have a twenty-mile-per-hour so you, simulated you've almost, wind. You've almost got that uh, cost-benefit analysis. Like I can I can push harder up this hill and go faster. See, no hills are great. Okay, hills are the well, equivalent okay. to running because you go up a hill, your body heats up like nobody's business. Well, that's what but I was then saying. you have to go down the hill, and it's no effort. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe on flat ground, like you have the cost benefit of yeah. you can pedal harder and get your body heat up, but then you're traveling faster, so the wind's blowing harder. So it's like, what do you do? Figure yeah. you just man up, figure it out. Just accept it, embrace <laughs> the suck. Yep, that's just cycling. You just embrace the suck. It's never, it's never fun. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do it? It's never fun. See, here's the thing that's fun is you know everybody else isn't having fun. And so then you make then the you, logic the then logic you cause of this. more then you cause them more pain and then you win and that's fun. <laughs> Winning is fun. What is that that Steve Renella calls it? Was that like type it? two fun? Type two fun. That's, that's it. the only thing I do is type two fun. <laughs> I don't do type one fun. Well, a little bit sometimes in that's, certain arenas of that's life. That's great. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to, um, so in short clothing, we wear Sitka gear pretty much from head to toe unless somebody has a complaint about it for a sponsor, then we'll begrudgingly wear something else. Or if we're like in camp with Mossy Oak guys, then we'll wear that. But, you know, we're not going to blatantly, you know, be mad with somebody or get somebody mad at us. Um, But if it's up to us, that's what I'm wearing. Um, And it's not because... Um, you know, I know Barclow or work with Dudley or any of that. It's, if I didn't know any of those fools, I would still wear it. Um, 
So the next thing is traveling gear. So I've got my certain traveling gear, my certain setup. You have your own certain setup. So go through your setup. Like if you're going to travel, get on a plane, what's some stuff that you make sure that you have with you? Um, on the plane? Or, or just like if I'm traveling, what do I take to get yeah, all my, my stuff from point A to yeah, point B? Yeah, minus cameras. Like what are you taking? So I have that Cinebag. It's not mine. It's yours. Uh, but I've stolen it and used it as my own now. And you'll have to fight me to get it back. Uh, I like it. It's, what is it, the Cinebag what? I don't even know the name of it. I'd have to go in there and look. It's just a Cinebag, um, and it that's basically my carry-on bag. A Cinebag is a, is a brand. Cine, yeah. It's C, C-I-N-E bag, Cinebag. Yep. And that's basically my carry-on, and then I have uh, two different Pelican cases that I use to check. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one big one and one kind of the medium one. I think the big one's the 1610 mm-hmm. or 1615, I can't remember. And the smaller one is the 1530 or 1550. I can't remember. I We really should have wrote this down because we're, we're so good at this hosting thing. Yeah, um, so I, I run those. And I'll be honest, I wish I had two big ones. Mm-hmm. I think I'm about to get a, a, a second big one. All right, we can get a big one. That's, well, yeah. my dad's got another big one. We can just steal his. Okay, perfect. We'll steal his. That's Roger fine. that. Plan made. <laughs> um, I think it's been working so far. I just, it's close. Yeah. Like getting all of my stuff in there with, if I'm not going to a tree stand, it's a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but trying to get the tree arm in there and I have my hunting pack that I have to shove in there, plus all your gear, plus miscellaneous camera stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's close. And all the main camera stuff I have with me and on my person in the plane. So you're, but you're carrying the Cinebag on your back with yeah. chargers, batteries, gear, that such, and you're holding your camera in mm-hmm. your seat. So you've, you've adopted that. That is your, now your new way to travel. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I'm still messing with it. Cause I've had some problems with regional jets. Oh, okay. So the regional jets are designed for people who are five feet tall mm-hmm. and the overhead bin space is designed for, a laptop. A laptop. That's all you can fit in there. My Cinebag won't fit in there. So this past, like just coming back a couple of days ago, my bag would not fit in the overhead. And so I had to try to shove that under the seat, which it didn't really fit in there either. And then I had to hold the camera on my lap. And that made the stewardess mad. Actually, I've gotten away with it twice. And mostly I do that by sitting over it and not looking at them when they come through the aisle. I've never had that work. Really? I've tried to do that before, <laughs> like try and hold something. And, like, just trying, like, discreetly, like, yeah, don't look at me. Don't pay attention. Like, I'm a big guy. Like, I'm just kind of leaning over. And then, like, oh, sir, can you, sir, sir, please, sir. <laughs> yeah, I never get away with that. No, when I was coming back from Colorado, I did the same thing. Yeah. Um, With the 150 to 600 on they the let camera. You, they let you hold a two-year-old kid. Why can't you hold a camera? I mean, a, two year, a two-year-old and under kid can sit in your lap. So, what's the difference? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So I'm I'm still working out a few kinks. I'm I may go to a hard case carry on. So that's what I that's my that's my setup. Perfect segue into mine is um I carry on my Sitka 2700 Mountain Pack. No, it's not. It's the Mountain 2700, or just the 2700. And it was the 2700 Sitka bag. And usually what I have in that is I used to just carry that with my laptop with DSLR lens. And all my uh, all my lithium ion batteries, and I'll just carry that, and that would be a really really heavy pack. But I didn't have any; I could have both hands free, 
But what I have recently adopted is I have uh, I have recently downsized what's in my bag in my backpack, and now I'm toting a fifteen ten Pelican, which is the carry on size Pelican case, and that has made life easy because what I do is I carry my laptop. Everything that goes in my 1510 Pelican is my laptop, my travel drives, my cables, my charging cables, and then I'll have another separate little orange bag that I keep earbuds, AirPods, um, media credentials, um, and any charging cable I might need on the plane. That way, when I get on the plane, I just pull that one little bag out and I got everything I need to like either watch a movie or listen to my phone or work on my laptop or whatever. It's all there in one bag instead of it all being... I used to have it just in the top pocket of my backpack, and it mm-hmm. all just get a tangled up mess. Yeah. So I'll just pull out that one little bag, and I'll literally clip it to the back of the seat, and I got everything I need like organized right there. And it's worked really nice. Um, and then what goes in my backpack now is usually my boots because that takes up so much room. Yeah. In my uh, mm-hmm. carry on, I'll put my boots on my back, all the lithium ion batteries that I can't check anymore, and then I'll take like gloves, beanies you know, heavyweight stuff that I don't want to take up room in the backpack or in the Pelican case. And then um, I'll fill it with any other soft item or um, sometimes I've been carrying lenses that I can't fit in my Pelicans. I'll put that in my back. Things that I just don't want to grow this legs. Is the, this is the backpack, not backpack. the carry-on. Yeah, on my back. So I'll have boots, lenses, lithium-ion batteries, and then some soft goods that take up a lot of space in the Pelicans. I'll put those on my back. And that's how I've been traveling the last uh, two or three trips. And it's worked really well, but I haven't had to do a regional airport yet. When I get to a regional airport, but the thing is that 1510 Pelican fits under the seat really well. And What's the, in that? The Pelican? Yeah. It's got my laptop, the drives. Oh, okay, okay. That's got the laptop drives in it. And then on my backpack, it's got a bunch of soft stuff that generally doesn't really matter if you have to you know, cram it up under the seat. Um, and your camera is in checked bags. My camera is in checked bags. So um, I've just all, I've always done that. Knock on wood, haven't had any issues with that. I've had my camera lost one time, which they had it to me within like three hours. Um, and then my other Pelican is just all clothes, gear, tripod, head, all that good stuff. But um, And uh, my Pelicans are both big. They're both the 1610 size. I think one of them's even bigger than that. But they're always overweight every time. Actually, my camera case is always like right at 50, 51, and I'll have to pull like one little item out of it and throw it in my backpack. And then my other one, it's always like 80 to 90. So um, that's my little travel setup. Um, and all those are Pelican cases for the brands. I'm going through my notes. So let's go to tools. Um, what are some tools that you always have on you, in your pack, in your case, on your person when you're either – Filming, hunting, or traveling? So, traveling, I always have a set of the hex wrenches Mm -hmm. uh, because that's the only way you can take apart the camera. Mm -hmm. So, if I need to take apart the camera, I have those. Uh, I have a Leatherman that I have on me right now, and I don't know which one it is. Uh, It is the Leatherman Sidekick, and I always have that on me. Mostly it comes in handy, I guess, when I need to take plates on and off is yeah. probably the most common. I use the flathead screwdriver. Which one is it? Let me see that one. It's the sidekick. Yeah, It's a small one. It fits. What I basically do is I just put it in my little change pocket in my jeans. Yeah. Um, and then I always have a knife of some kind on me. So 
Oh, and it's spring-loaded, too. I yeah. like that guy. I'm going to have to get one of these. It's got pliers, and it's See, got all the stuff. I've got two Leatherman. Actually, one's a Gerber, one's a Leatherman. But neither one of mine are spring-loaded like this. It's nice. And they don't have a clip like that. They're their own little case, and I don't like that. Yeah, I like the clip because I carry that every day This is on the me. Leatherman. Which one? Leatherman Sidekick. I'm going to have to Amazon that baby later on. Uh, and then in my pack, tool-wise, uh, I have those brush clippers, nippers or whatever you want to call them. And that's basically for if we get in a brush blind or get in a tree stand or need to cut brush or whatever it is, I have those, then I can do it myself. Yeah. And actually, sometimes I have them and the hunter doesn't have them and it works out pretty good. Most of the time. Chug will Chug will bring a bunch of stuff and he'll always be missing one one particular item. Brian brings more stuff than anybody I've ever been with in my entire life. Um, and Dudley usually has everything he needs. Well, I say that. He needed to borrow an elk view, or a diaphragm call from me. Where were we? Utah. Yeah, he had to borrow a diaphragm from me in Utah for uh, his elk vehicle. And I didn't get that back. And I, and I can't find mine. So I'm going to have to order some new ones. Um, so tool-wise for me, I always carry a multi-tool. Not particularly that one. I like that one better than mine, so I'm probably going to upgrade mine. always carry just a standard flathead screwdriver, four plates. I keep that in my um, my Pelican, my uh, check Pelican. Gaff tape, Gorilla tape, Velcro strips, zip ties, and power paracord. Oh, I didn't know those fall, fell into um, tools. I always, I just threw them in there. Yeah. Stuff I always, always, always have on me. Um, I don't take, I don't ever take my camera apart. I haven't, knock on wood again, haven't had to take mine apart yet. So I don't ever carry Allen heads like that. Um, well, I used to have to take it apart to put it to in, put it in the, case, the Pelican yeah. every time. Do you think though, I was thinking a minute ago, do you think it would be better for you? I don't know if you could still do it in two cases because your smaller case could you put the camera still put together in your smaller case if we got uh, foam for it? With all the other stuff I have to put in it? No, I think just, just the camera, just the camera, the, camera the, the lens, the charger, and maybe oh. an extra lens. Yeah, well, that's but that'd be the only thing that would fit in there. Well, that's pretty much all I have in mind when I travel with it. Everything else goes in the other one. Everything. I, would, I might need an even bigger Pelican then. Oh. Because... What, the way I have it spread out now is in the big pelican is all clothing, mm-hmm. and then the tripod and tripod head, and in the small pelican is all of the, my hunting gear and extra camera gear. Okay, well we'll figure that one out. Um, we'll do a test run or something next go round. Um, next thing I want to talk about is just like maybe gadgets that aren't considered tools, I guess. And uh, and what I mean by that is I have something that I value above virtually everything and that's my hunter's hoist or hunting hoist i can't remember the exact name of it but it's a retractable pull-up rope for whitetail hunting and it's not a rope it's actually a wider um what would you call that like elastic band not elastic but a nylon strap nylon strap it's a wider strap it's probably a half an inch wide and it's in a retractable spool it's a little black actually used to be camo but i wore all the camo off of it now and it's a black thing that clips on the side of my bag. And it's got its own proprietary little uh, loop that clips back into itself. That way I don't have to carry carabiners. It's super quiet. And it never gets tangled. It's always there. It never gets hung up on a bunch of crap. I pulled, I mean, I pulled reds with 7,200. I mean, I pulled $70,000 worth of camera gear up with it. 
and it's they're like 30 or 40 bucks. I think you can still get them on Amazon. I've had mine literally for eight or nine years. Um, it is bulletproof, and it is something that if you pull stuff up a tree, it is the only way to do it. Those freaking paracord ropes or those roll-up or just rolling up a thing and putting it in your bag and having to fight knots every time, dude, it, it just makes life so much easier. And the way I do it is I'll I literally have it on my right side on my pack. I'll reach back there, and I'll grab the end of it, pull it out, hook it to my camera, set my camera on the ground, and start climbing. So it's hooked to me, and if the the camera, if the tree won't let me do that because the limbs on their limbs are in the way or something, I'll climb up the tree, send it down to my hunter. He'll clip it on, and I'll pull it up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I have to, I'll pull my, you know, I'll pull my camera up, set it on the base of the stand, and I'll send it back down and like hook up his bag or his bow or something. If he didn't have a, you know, if he he, he didn't have any way of pulling up, or if he forgot his pull up rope, because most of the time Chuck does, and we'll pull, I'll pull his crap up too. So. It just makes life way easier. And actually, Lee Lukoski is the one that showed me that thing. The first year I worked at Sub 7, when I went and filmed him, he had that thing. I'm like, holy crap, where did you get that? And he's like, I don't know, man. I found it somewhere, Hunter's Hoy something. And, and dude, I went and found it and ordered one, and I've had that that same one ever since. I actually had, like, two knots that get tied in, and that got tied in it over the time, and it still doesn't mess it up. And it retracts perfect. Dude, it's the best thing ever. Um, The other one is, uh oh, something I didn't talk about travel, is I always take a USB battery pack with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the uh, the dark energy. I always have that with me, too. And I always keep that in my bag when I'm hunting, too. That way I can charge GoPros or anything that needs a, like a quick charge. And then um, my other little... Uh, my other little gizmo is my charger, which we put that on the Instagram. It's... Uh, can't remember the brand name of it, and I'll put, I'll try and put it in the notes. I'll try and put some of this stuff in the notes. It's the little, it's got five USB ports and two 110 outlets, so you can charge five USB things at one time, and you can have it as a, um, it'll charge two more 110, so I can virtually charge everything I have in one spot, and it just makes life. Instead of carrying a bunch of USB plugs and all this crap, it does everything in one little station, uh, and then I Velcro that to my uh, top of my Pelican so I know I never forget it. Um, and it's always right there. It's easy to access. It's not stuck underneath all my gear and I have to dig all my gear out to get it. It's always right there on top, so it makes life a lot easier. And then I always like to use koozies, like, you know, beer koozies. I use those as cushions. So I'll put those, I'll put GoPros in those. I'll put, like, polarizer filters in them. I'll put mm-hmm. anything that doesn't need to get beat up. Like, I've even put, like, LCD screens. I've put batteries. And I'll put those in a koozie, and that kind of acts as kind of a cushion when I put it in my bag or pack mm-hmm. it up. Um, I actually learned that one from uh, Stephen Bulware. He used to do that on all his GoPros. Um, Bulware's been doing this job for way longer than I have. I need to get Bulware on. Um, I actually learned that trick from him. But uh, koozies, I mean, you never know what to do with them because I've got them everywhere. You know, people give them out all the time. Mm-hmm. So I keep them and use them Them as cushions. They're perfect for that. Well, do you have any little gadget, you know, gizmo things that you think people would need to add that to their arsenal? I carry a trash bag in my pack at all times. Oh, yeah, I always carry a trash bag. Um, I don't think I have a whole bunch of gadgets and gizmos. You're, you're more of a gadgety guy than I am. I have a couple of those little twisty ties. Yeah, uh, the, the little gear ties. Yeah, gear ties. That little Velcro thing for the for the ear pods, earphones. Yeah. I have that. I like that one a lot. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. about it. It's pretty simple. I mean, I've used to carry 
I used to carry all kinds of dumb crap. I mean, I used to carry like a full-blown toolbox and all this crap, and I just never ended up using it. So I've really cut my pack. You know, my packing away, you wouldn't know it when you see us going through the airport, but I've actually really trimmed mine down a lot. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is, like, what we keep in our vehicles. Um, this is probably a good one for me because I'm usually the one driving. Ryder hadn't had to drive on too many trips. Um, kind of some of the things I keep in my truck that kind of assist in, um, you know, working and making sure we can always get our job done, you know, which I mean, shameless plug again, but our Diamondback, you know, my Diamondback cover is by far the most useful thing I have on my truck. And then uh, it's got a drop-in toolbox that goes in, inside the bed cover, and I keep, you know, just a standard tool bag with like a battery backup for my truck. Like if my truck needs jumping off, it's got an air compressor in it. And, um, I'm trying to think of what else, you know, the crap I've got in my truck. Oh, my Glock 19, I always keep my Glock in there. And, uh, Always keep the backup Smith Stay strapped or get clapped, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. And my backup shield, nine millimeter. Um, and other than that, it's pretty standard. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm generally always pretty prepared for whatever we run into because I don't like being the guy unprepared. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I like driving my truck. That's why I like driving on trips. I like having my stuff. So uh, it's pretty much my. Seems like I'm forgetting something in my truck. A little hockey stick gizmo. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just to reach up in the bed cover so you don't have to climb up in there all the time to get stuff. And it's actually a lacrosse stick, not a hockey stick. But Yeah. Ooh. My bad. <laughs> I, I can't remember where I got that thing. I've had that thing forever. But, yeah, I've got like a little screw put in the end of it so I can reach all the way up into my bed cover and pull stuff out so you don't have to climb up in there all the time. And then I keep a bunch of ratchet straps and jumper cables and crap like that. But, um... And I drive a Tundra, and the reason I do that is because the whole back glass rolls down, and I love my Toyotas. Um, but that back glass rolling down, it makes it really cool for production stuff to use the bed cover to be able to film out the back of the truck. I've even used that as a, uh, a uh, dolly before. I've clipped a GoPro onto that looking into the cab and, like, slid up and then reveal coming mm-hmm. down. I've done that before. I actually did that for a Campbell Cameras commercial. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, you got anything else? Any other gear stuff that we didn't, that we missed? Um, lens cloth. Lens cloth, yeah. Lots of those. Lots of those everywhere. Uh, I always carry a handkerchief with me. Yeah, you're weird like that, though. Yeah, well, it's because I used to have really bad allergies, and so I couldn't carry enough toilet paper to get through a day. Yeah. Um, but actually. Hanky. Handkerchief. Yeah. Actually, it works out nice if you need to clean up an animal that's really bloody or something before pictures or yeah, uh, you get your camera a little wet. I've used it if it kind of is drizzling, but not enough to where I want to get the pack cover out yeah. but enough that I'm kind of like, yeah, I should probably have something over this. Yeah. I'll just throw the handkerchief over it. Uh, I've used it if it's too dusty, and I use it as kind of like a Mad Max sort of dust shield on my face. Yeah. Uh, so I carry that around. I like having that on me. Yeah. A watch. Yeah. It's always, always good to a, have a watch. I always have a watch on. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that I might have. And I, a buff. Those are always good to have. Yeah. For like the a same face, reason. like yeah. a face shield type thing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, sunglasses. Yeah, oh, God, that is a good one. I've been on a lot of trips and forgot to take sunglasses with me. And not only to take sunglasses, but to take something that makes sure your sunglasses aren't going to get crushed when they go in your bag. Like a really nice uh, a case to put them in. Mm-hmm. That way you can throw them in your bag and make sure when your bag gets chucked in the back of the truck when you're running to the next spot that it doesn't get crushed when somebody's put stuff back there. That is a, that's a really good one. Uh, let's see. I, I always carry Bluetooth headphones, and that's just to yeah, listen to music and stuff while I traveling. I carry my AirPods, yeah. Um, I think that's it. Uh, we're, I'm debating on whether we should do these questions or not because we're 52 minutes into this one. Do you think we make it an hour? Okay. All right, Why so, not? Uh, I added two. They're still here now. I mean, if you're still listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're so already I, here. I added two listener questions to this just because I didn't think we would talk this long about this, to be completely honest. But We, we always went, talk longer than you think. I know. Well, we went Every way, time you go, oh, this is going to be like a five-minute podcast Yeah, or something well, I like really that. thought this one would be like 20, 30 minutes, and we were going to have really, to stretch you it. That? Yeah, I did. You, Mr. Yeah. Gearhead, thought that. Shut it. Um, so, so I've never met anybody who likes talking about gear more than you, Caleb. Uh, I do. Not once. I like it. <laughs> um, that's what, I mean, that's what makes the world go round is new gear. Um, I've got a laundry list of things I want to buy. <laughs> I can't afford them at the moment. I don't make lists of things that I want to buy because then I have to buy them. Oh, that's <laughs> why I make the list. Like I make goals. I like, I have a goal sheet in my notes on my phones, like must buy this by this time. Like in my trying, like, oh, if my wife knew about that list, oh, it'd be so bad. Like I probably shouldn't have even said that on the podcast. Now she's going to ask for it because she listens to every one of these. Still listens to every one of them, and she critiques them. It's like, why did you say that? Why did you say this? You shouldn't have said that. That wasn't very nice all the time. It's great. Emily just listens, and she says that I have a silky smooth radio oh, voice. There we go. I heard you all talking crap yeah. about me and oh, my yeah. ego. Me and Clay were. Uh, and you know what? Me and Clay and Brian. Brian yeah. got you a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Calling me a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that one before. Oh, man. So, Y'all are just jealous that you don't have a silky smooth radio voice like me. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this isn't even my radio voice. <laughs> you just wait. I'll break it out one day. Oh, I know you will. We're going to do, <laughs> we're, next time we do, we need to do some like new ads. I'm going to have you do the new ads. I should have had you do the, di- we might have you record the Diamondback ad for this next one. Let you do Diamond. Yeah, we'll get you to do it because I do not have a radio voice. Um, so, first listener question was, um, Dream hunting slash filming location. Um, so I guess that's a two-parter, I'm assuming. Like if uh, I'm hunting, my dream hunting location and my dream filming location. Um, my dream hunt is really, I don't know, that's tough. It would probably be just a really jam up elk hunt. Um, Utah, Montana doesn't matter. I don't discriminate. As long as it's a good elk hunt and uh, elk elk are bugling and answering and um, that's my dream hunt. I've got to film a couple of them. You know, I've killed an elk. Wasn't a really big elk, but it was an elk. Um, and I'm just, I'm hooked on elk. It's my favorite thing in the world. So, uh, yeah, that would be my, my dream hunt. I guess if I had to pick a second, it would be a uh, a Yukon, Alaska, uh, you know, a Yukon, Alaska moose, but that's just so expensive. Holy crap, it's so expensive. Um, and then my dream filming location, I wanted, I want to go to New Zealand. I really want to go to New Zealand, pretty bad. Um, I've done Africa, never done Europe. Don't really know about much in Europe. I'd like to go film um, New Zealand, and then I guess my second one from New Zealand would be. 
I don't know if South America's really hot. Probably be New Zealand. I've pretty much filmed everywhere else I've wanted to go. So New Zealand's the only place I haven't been, so I think that's mine. What about yours? Um, I would say Hunt would probably be Alaska. Yeah. Uh float train float float train. That's not a thing. <laughs> float Express. Train. I want to see that. <laughs> float train. Uh float plane trip. Mostly because I want to fly in a float plane. Well, we can that's probably gonna happen. Yeah. I I just want to fly in a float plane. I want to see the northern lights. Do, do you care if it's a float plane or a bush plane? You don't care either one, just I want a dangerous one. Well, <laughs> both are dangerous. I, I promise you. I want something where you just look at the guy flying that thing, and he's just a grizzly yep. freaking mf'er. He and may you, or may or may not be high and drunk at the same time. But you know. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> I, I want him to be wearing some sort of like Vietnam service hat. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that flew. <laughs> the guy that flew I, us. I want war stories of Vietnam so or Korea while the we're flying. Guy that flew us in the Yukon. It was a 1952 Beaver, and it reeked of gasoline, like, so bad. And he was, I want to say he was probably in his 30s, younger guy. Um, Freaking nerves of steel, dude. I was scared to death because that's the first time I'd ever done it. And, uh, God dang, it was so sketchy. Um, But that's the trip to do it. So if next one of those that comes up, you'll be first out to bat. Um, I, I want, I want to do that too, uh, again, because now that I know, I've done, I've done float plane and bush plane, bush plane was not near as sketchy as float plane. Really? Float plane was no, and it might've just been where we were landing, mm. but the freaking bush plane was like, and it was a much bigger plane. Like I think there was. Yeah. Bush or float planes usually. No, are. well, bush planes can be really small too. It's just tires, you know, it's how they land. Um, but, uh, the bush plane we were on had like 16 guys on it. But the bush, the float plane that we were in was a two-man. And literally, Glenn, the guy I was filming, was sitting in the jump seat in the middle, like with his knees and his chin. Like, he wasn't supposed <laughs> to be sitting there. Um, but, yeah. No, That's how you know the flight's about to be good. Oh, dude, it's so sketchy. Like He had to add lead to the gasoline of this thing. <laughs> I'm like, that's when you know it's good. Um, so, yeah, Alaska's, Alaska's – have you ever been to Alaska? No. It's cool. Um, it, I would... At certain times of year, it's cool. Other times of year, it's really sucky. Um, you want to go in like late September, and that's about it. <laughs> um, some behind the scenes, some people may not realize. All right, here's the second question. Some behind the scenes people may not realize goes on while filming or planning a hunt. So for us, I think something that people don't realize is happening is we are constantly guiding and producing. Um, we're constantly talking to the talent or the hunter and said, hey, what? About, why don't we say this? Can we talk about that? Explain what you just said. Like, we're always behind the camera, coaching, guiding, and producing the content. We're constantly talking. You never hear it. You never see it. But we're constantly behind the camera trying to figure out ways to improve the situation or the scenario that we're in, especially when you got more than one person or somebody that's not been on camera very much. There's a lot of hand-holding goes on. Yeah, I was about to say, when I'm with Kip, I almost don't really even have to do a lot of that. Well, when you've because been, yeah. he's been he's been doing it for a lot of years. 15-ish years. And he just, he basically says what needs to be said. And I'm like, well, yep, that works. Well, that's, that's good. I that's like that. That's what I need. <laughs> you know, um, 
and that's and that's something like you know with uh with Chuck and I, you know, when I turn the camera on him, he generally knows exactly what I need. But there'll be something as simple as when I point the camera around and be like, "All right, give me a setup. Where are we at?" Yeah, you know, it'll be something that simple. Or but, hey, talk about what just happened. Yeah. You hey, know. that deer just you know ran out of here, blew out. Well, why did they run out? Like when I turn, you know, this deer blows out of the field. Well, now I turn the camera to Chuck, and he probably knows that's why I'm asking. But somebody that's not familiar with the process, we're behind the camera now. We're producing what just happened. Like, hey, the deer just ran off. Tell me what happened. Hey, well, you know, I think the wind shifted and the wind just hit us in the back of the neck and that deer take off running, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know. I mean, we might be screwed, you know, something like that. But what most guys or most people don't understand is there's a constant dialogue between us and the talent or the hunter. Um, that's to get that dialogue on camera. We're not just walking around aimlessly with a camera and they're just talking to it on occasion. Those things are produced with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of times there's things that are shot multiple times. Um, we'll shoot something and not like it and we'll redo it. Um, we want to get mediums, wides and tights. You know, sometimes there's multiple versions of the same shot that we do. Um, sometimes we don't like how an interview said something's too long. Can you shorten that up? Um, th- I think that's some of the things that people may not understand. And when it comes to planning, um, a lot of times we have to look into different states, different regulations and drone rules. Um, you're supposed to have filming permits in certain places, national forest, um, things like that. Um, there's a lot of logistical things that we have to do. We have to make sure our, our gear is ready, things are charged, all that good stuff. There's always time spent after you get back from a hunt when all the filming's done that we have to dump footage, get gear ready to go the next day. That, that A lot of that goes unseen. Nobody ever sees it. Um, take notes on the footage. Take notes on the footage. Um, take notes on, I got a freaking gamut of notes on my phone. Um, that I just, that's what helps me keep up with things. And then Ryer and I have shared notes on certain projects, um, things in the office, um, ongoing things, redneck tech. Um, we have an ongoing shared list where he'll update it. I'll update it. That way we know exactly what's going on, what projects are upcoming, what projects are pending, what we're done with, what we need to look at, all those good things. Um, I think that the thing that may, to, to, to kind of wrap all this up, I think the thing that m- people may not realize the most is filming and producing a show, a web show, or a piece of content is not just running a camera and editing. You have to not only be a producer and editor, you have to understand logistics, you have to understand time management, you have to understand people, you have to understand the gear. You have to kind of you have to have a little bit of IT sense to fix problems when it comes to gear and technology and computers and hard drives. Um, you have to be very patient. Um, you're, you're not just doing one thing. You're, you're kind of a jack of all trades. You're not only running the camera, you're checking the audio. You're setting up the talent. You're setting up the lighting. You're setting up everything that happens within that scenario is on you. And if you don't do a good job while you're doing that, when you bring that footage back, it shows. Um, so, And that's why it makes life so much easier when there's two people that are shooting, when you have two producers or a producer and an assistant, which you've got to do that this year, about how nice it was to have somebody there, just if nothing else, to carry extra gear around mm-hmm. and not have to run back to the truck 57 times to get a lens, a battery, a card, or this, or that, and the other. Um, I think that's the thing that most 
most people that are watching or listening or whatever, that they don't understand the all the things that have to happen for that piece of content to be created. That the what you're seeing is the highlight reel of highlight reels. You know, you're seeing the best of the best. A lot of time, a lot of planning, a lot of effort. And then when it comes to even something that Kip does, I mean, he he has a lot of time invested in writing and making sure that he's himself. He can be mm-hmm. Kip. People expect Kip to be funny. They expect him to be engaging. They expect him to be relatable. And that's a job. Um, you know, I know he's got notebooks and notebooks of ideas and jokes and, and different ideas for uh, skits and things like that, you know. And that's rare. Uh, not a lot of other people do that. Um, but he's always prepared for it, and mm-hmm. he always knows how to turn on Kip and turn off Kip. You know, that's that's like that's like Foxworthy. You know, he was Foxworthy knew when he needed to be funny, and he knew when he could be one of the guys. Um, but that takes a special kind of person. That's that's something you can't teach. That's something that is well, that's a God given ability, in my opinion. So, um, I was just thinking of something. <clears throat> oh, the. Back and forth between, and you talk about it a lot. I mean, a lot of this stuff is but we talk about. Yeah. Um, but the back and forth between the hunter and the cameraman about, or the producer, about are you on the animal, which yeah. animal you're on, and is it, can you shoot it now? Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of times where uh, maybe it's easy and there's only one animal out there and it's just a matter of, okay, you're on him, are you ready? Okay, shoot. Other times, there's a lot of animals out there. You got to make sure you're on the right one. And then, like in ground blinds and stuff, the difference in perspective between yeah. what the hunter can see and what the camera can see, and then what's in the way. Yeah, that two feet can make a big difference. You know, like you got to. Uh, we were hunting does, and you and Kip, mm-hmm, Kip and I, uh, and there was a ton of does in the field. And we and they were moving around a ton, and so we were jumping back and forth between, okay, he's got a shot on that one. Okay, I'm going to get the camera on that one. Oh nope, he doesn't have a shot. Let's move to another one. Oh, I can't see that one. Let's move to another one, and just always communicating about which one you're on. Are you on it? Are you are you ready? And then it'll be moving, and I'll have to say, oh, it's about to go out of. I'm yeah. about to lose her. Yeah. I've lost her. Okay, I can see her head. I can see her front legs. Okay, I've got her vitals. Okay, I got her hind legs. Yeah. If you want to shoot her now. Yeah. And then maybe and at that point he doesn't have her, and it's just a and that's hectic constantly going. It's hectic, around. man. I've had that happen a bunch. Yeah, I mean, there's and a, you don't hear that in no, you don't see or hear that in the in the finished product. What you see is the hunter and all the B roll mm-hmm. that we do of the hunter, you know, getting on that animal trying to and clean, then trying to clean up the chaos. Yeah, and then you've got the nice shot of yeah. the animal, and then. It's shot and it runs off and that's good, but you oh, don't see all the camera shuffling oh yeah. and all well, that's that like, stuff. That's like that South Dakota antelope hunt that you filmed, that you edited that I shot with Dudley. Like me and Dudley switched places in that like three or four times. Like we were just doing circles in that blind, trying to figure out you know how are we going to get this thing killed and filmed at the same time. Like and Dudley was almost to the point where he's like, "Screw it, I'm just going to kill it, and uh, we'll figure it out later." But you know me, I'm not good with that. Like I'm like, I'm going to get it on camera. Like if, you know, hell or high water, I'm going to get this thing on camera. Mm-hmm. And luckily we did barely. <clears throat> but you know that's yeah that's something that I don't think a lot of people don't understand. Um, so <clears throat> I think that's it for gear and the listener questions. So something we've experimented with, or I experimented with yesterday, for those of you that did not see the post, is um, 
we are going to try. I'm not going to schedule this, and I'm not going to promise, and I'm not going to hold ourselves to anything. We're going to try and do some live editing. And when I say live editing, essentially we're going to stream live on YouTube um, that you can log into and watch or watch back later um, our editing process. We're going to try and take some of these projects that we've been working on, and we're going to go over every aspect of editing from starting from zero to importing footage. We're going to get into cutting, hiding edits. We're going to get into how to uh, how to speed up, how to slow down, how to you know cut sections out of songs, how to end songs, how to color correct, how to fix audio, how to you name it. Um, we're going to try and start doing some more of that. Um, we're also going to starting in probably late March, no, probably early March, uh, Ryer and I are going to work on a class here in Dahlonega. Um, it will be a class tailored to whoever signs up. It may be a full-blown hands-on production class. It may be a full-blown hands-on editing class. We're probably going to keep the class size to five to ten guys just because that's about all we can handle. Um, don't know the price yet. Don't know any of that, but that's something we're absolutely going to do. Um, we're going to offer... Um, we're going to try and start offering one-on-one editing classes in the summer uh, or two-on-one editing classes in the summer to where we can bring guys into the office. You come in, you hang out for two or three days, you sit with us through projects, you bring us your footage, or we can work on our footage. And then Ryer even had the idea, I don't know if we're going to do it, um, don't hold me to any of this, this is all just us talking and speculating, uh, Ryder had the idea that we might even go film a hunt, might even be something as simple as like shooting a doe, and then making that footage available to you guys, and then having an editing contest. Like, all right, now y'all take this hunt that we shot and put it together, and let's see what you can come up with. Um, that's something that won't happen here soon just because we just don't have time. Uh, it might be something that we do this spring uh, or this summer because that would make more sense because summer is usually a little slower for us. But um, we've got a lot of things that we're working on. Um, now that we're finally starting to, you know, kind of get caught up a little bit, uh, we've got a lot of ideas of things that we're wanting to push out, more content we're wanting to do, and uh, ways to make the podcast better, ways to help you guys get better, help us to get better, um, and, and if nothing else, to keep us accountable, you know, to to keep us on track, to make sure that we're growing, that we're doing a good job, Um educating on every aspect of what we're doing. Um, this is what we enjoy doing. This is what I enjoy doing. I mean, I hope Ryan enjoys doing it, but it's one of those things to where it's going to be a learning process for some of this live stuff. But uh, I tested it the other day. It worked really well. Got a lot of good feedback, a lot of PMs that people liked it. So, um, I don't know. We'll go from there. Thoughts? Closing thoughts? Uh no. No. I don't okay. I don't know what else I could add to that. Okay. Well, it just means more work for us, but other than that. <laughs> Doesn't everything mean more work for us? No, yeah. <laughs> it does, but I like being busy. I'd rather be busy than not busy. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Peace.